1. Hello, everyone, and good morning, and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started with a little bit of uh, music while we allow people online to join us and get engaged with another round of Livestream Sunday School. We've got uh, music coming up from Marvin Winans and First Lady Debbie Winans uh, Lowe, Debbie Winans Lowe, singing Jesus Saves. We appreciate you being here. Angie, good morning. Good morning. Dion, good morning. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you being here. Good morning, Anitra. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning from... Angie, good morning from Bardstown, Kentucky. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you being here. Amen. Ronnie, thanks for joining us. Brother Roscoe, good morning. Arella, good morning. Bev, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Hope everyone is doing well <clears throat> as I clear my throat. Thanks for being here. Good morning, good morning. I like that. In the house. That's right. Amen. Today's lesson is going to be very interesting. Just... Um, Pardon me, there's so much to cover. We'll cover what we can. We won't rush through it. But it's going to be a good way, good way to start the day, that's for sure. Being in the presence of Jesus. Amen. Who loves us more than we can quantify.
And the name of the song is Jesus Saves, by the way. If I didn't say that. Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining us for Sunday School this morning. Amen. Appreciate you being here. Lisa, good morning. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you being here this morning. Marvin Winans and First Lady Debbie Winans Lowe are singing, Jesus Saves. Sometimes I just wonder if that acknowledging that keeps us on the air. Well, it's not a, it's actually a good recording. Amen. It's actually a fitting song for today. As we start to get into the God's Word. I got it. Okay, Lisa, I'll make a note of it. Amen. Well, both in the hospital at the same time, huh? I see. All right. 
That was Marvin Winans and First Lady Debbie Winans, Low, singing the song Jesus Saves. It kind of cut off before I expected it to, but that's, that's what happened, but that's okay. Uh, we got a good chunk of that. <clears throat> Pardon me. And um, God bless you all. We, we appreciate you this, uh, this morning. Um, I'm making a note here, and I did write it down. Um, uh, Lisa is asking for prayer for her aunt and uncle who are both in the hospital at the same time. And so we will do that uh, in our prayer time as we lead into our Sunday school lesson. Uh, Let's do some housekeeping while we're here trying to get settled in for hearing what God has to say to us. First and foremost, our schedule for today. Of course, we have Sunday school now. Pastor Gus will be preaching a sermon uh, today in church. Uh, Ann, good morning. I'm just going to mention hi. Good morning, Ann. Thanks for being here this morning. I um, hope you're doing well. We've got um, Gus preaching the sermon this morning. We will have our live um, broadcast of our church service live today sometime around the 11 o'clock hour, right around that time, uh, as we get ready for worship. Those of you who are online who are not able to come to church here in Akron, we welcome you to stay with us here on the timeline here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page for uh, live broadcast of our message. Later today at 5 o'clock is our Zoom Bible study. So we'll have that Zoom Bible study later today. We have, um, it is by email, invitation by email only. If I don't have your email, I can't send you an invite to the meeting. Um, I, I'm pretty sure for the vast majority of people here, we have that um, and we'll send that. If for some reason you have never participate in the Zoom Bible study you would like to, you're welcome to provide your email address to us and we'll send you a link for today's meeting at 5 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, 2 o'clock Pacific, and you send that email address to akronalliance at gmail.com. That's akronalliance, all one word, at gmail.com. We appreciate you giving it that consideration. And if you're interested, we'll see you later at 5 o'clock today. Amen. We're in the book of Luke. We're doing a study there and continuing all the way through Luke. And then we'll see where we go after that. Uh, We'll be going somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, Please remember your tithes and offerings. We invite you to consider how you're going to give um, through worship um, in the matter of what your tithes are. Pray about those things. If you are looking to mail your tithes or offerings, please mail them to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. Uh, Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you for throwing a hat tip to Larry as well, too. Appreciate that. Um, Good morning. And that should be all the announcements that I can think of right now. We've got a bunch of stuff going on in November. We're not quite in November yet, so we'll get to that when it's time. But um, for now, we're going to go ahead and get into a mindset where we're going to pardon me, get into a focus where we're looking at the word of the Lord. And indeed, um, that's the most important thing we can do right now. That's what Sunday school is all about. It's a different time of learning as opposed to the time that you spend uh, before the Lord personally with doing your own devotions and reading. Uh, This is another way to learn in a classroom setting. And of course, as we always uh, remind you here in the live audience here in church, if you have questions about what's being said, write them down and we'll go over those after we go off the air here because that's what this 
forum allows for. That's what we do. Um, and sometimes we do get questions and sometimes they just stare back at me and in silence. And so we, <laughs> we want to make sure that we don't have too many times like that. Um, but we appreciate you being here nonetheless. Thank you for being here this morning. So let's go ahead and get to, uh, get to this lesson. Let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for the instruction that's going to come as the Spirit speaks to us through the power of the very word that you give to us. We thank you for your presence. We do lift up to you um, Lisa's aunt and uncle who are in the hospital right now. We pray, Lord, that you'll provide an overshadowing over them and a healing that's necessary for them to get uh, out of the hospital get back home and be able to rest there comfortably. And we thank you for your presence, Lord, in all aspects of our lives. We don't take you for granted. We know that there are needs for physical healing, but there's also need for spiritual healing. And Lord, we thank you for how you indeed uh, accept when we repent of our sin and turn back to you. And we thank you, Lord, for always remembering us in that manner, loving us beyond what we can imagine. We thank you, Lord. Bless this time that we spend in the Word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, everybody, we're going to be in the book of John today. The book of John, chapter 18, verses 1 to 11. Turn your Bibles, electronic devices, to John, chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. This is a section of Scripture where... Those of us who have been reading Scripture over and over again, even when we read the account uh, of when Jesus is betrayed, betrayed and arrested, it's not easy to read it because we know what comes and follows all of this, right? But we need to understand something about this. Uh, and one of the most important things to understand here is that there has been a time of preparation that leads up to all of this where Jesus repeatedly even though he was facing great opposition, facing the Pharisees wanted to kill him very early on, wanted to have him taken out, and they tried to seize him and capture him, but Jesus disappeared because Jesus basically said, it's not time, this is not the time for it. He had complete control over the events that we're going to read about and, and take place. And we'll even see that uh, within the passage here in verses 1 to 11, which is what we're covering today. And, well, let's go ahead and look at the passage and we'll go over this because I think it's important for us to see that he was very open about, he wasn't hiding out. He was making, basically doing the exact same thing as he was always doing. He was going uh, across the brook and he went back and forth between there and Jerusalem, Gethsemane and Jerusalem all the time. This was a regular pattern that he had. He wasn't trying to hide out. He was prepared for this moment. He had been praying for this moment. And I'm going to challenge you to think on the terms of how when we are going through difficulty and struggles, and I'm not saying that we're going to a cross or anything like that, so don't misunderstand me, but I am saying how in your lowest moments, God ministers to you. He is ministering to you even in your moments of difficulty. Even when you were without hope, Jesus was your hope. And Jesus remains our hope. And I want all of us to see this as we look at this passage 
and try to make a parallel between what Jesus is going through here, where he's out there saying he's a believer. He's, he's not a believer. He, he is Jesus. We are believers. We have to go out into the world and we have to recognize that we have to be out front. We can't hide. We can't hide out as believers. We still have to go forth and deal with the world that we have coming before us. Let's read the passage. Start at verse 1. John chapter 18, verse 1. Reading from the New Living Translation, please follow along in your version. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Verse 2. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. You see what I mean now? Often gone there. Verse 3. The leading priests... And Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. Verse 6, as Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more he asked them, who are you looking for? And again they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. I told you that I am he, Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement, I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Verse 10, Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Okay. Now, there's some things we want to look at. That was John chapter 18, verses 1 to 11. And I want to establish a couple of things before we get too far into this. And, and we'll talk about that cup he's re- referring to as well, too. But John, when we look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John is definitely different in all of this. We can argue that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic Gospels. They're the ones that are pretty much in accord how they report who Jesus is. In, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see Jesus in his humanity. And that's what we want to make sure that we're emphasizing here is that that's not what John is doing. Of course, he recognizes he's a human being, but we're going to look at in John, the emphasis is upon the deity of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because there are certain things that are mentioned in the book of John, that are not mentioned in the other Gospels. And we're going to see how John is really setting up for how Jesus, the emphasis is for Jesus to come into his glory, the deity of Christ, the glory of Christ, are what's being emphasized in these Gospels. And, and it really kind of started back when we look back at John chapter 13 and go all the way through with the upper room discourse all the way through with the prayer in the previous chapter in John chapter 17, where Jesus is talking about how he is going to be glorified because of he is being united with the Father. So 
with that knowledge and knowing indeed that that's what is being uh, is taking place um, we'll talk about more about this deity here in this passage but let's go back and look at verse 1 once again uh, and verse one, verses 1 and 2 back to verse 1 after saying these things Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees Judas the betrayer knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples as I had mentioned earlier he traveled and frequented this area all the time. And Judas knew that. Judas knew exactly what, where to find Jesus because he was following the same patterns he always followed. And Judas was the one who was hanging with the... Look at verse 3. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns and weapons, they had arrived at the olive grove. So basically, and what we're going to find later on is that Annas, who we'll see, he is the high priest for the Jews, uh, for the Israelites here in this segment. He is the one who had allowed for these, these uh, soldiers to be able to accompany Judas to the place where they would find Jesus. And they wanted to make sure that those soldiers were there more than anything else, to not allow things to get out of control. First of all, if they tried to seize Jesus in Jerusalem, by all accounts, there would have been a riot. Because this is not long before, after when Jesus had made that triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So the more people there, the more problems that would take place. So it was better that, and Jesus even probably knew this, it was better that he be arrested outside of Jerusalem. He often went outside of Jerusalem. He hung out in this area where these olive trees were um, and spent time there. So they wanted to make sure that there was nothing unruly taking place, that there was anything, not, nothing getting out of hand. Because let's face it, if it got to a point where there was a rebellion within the city, would Jesus have really been able to go to the cross the way he had said and that he said he would do? And it would make it much more difficult. Let's just put it that way, right? So... The soldiers were there. They probably were just there to keep order. They weren't necessarily there to be part of the arrest, but there were as a contingent there that Annas the high priest had sent for the purposes of arresting Jesus. And you have to understand that the arrest and betrayal is based upon what? False charges. False charges. They, Annas knew that Jesus had done nothing wrong. But because they wanted him removed from authority, from a place of authority, they were going to have these trumped up charges brought against him. So let's look at verse 4. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. Now, you might want to underline that or highlight that. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. And I want you to understand how Jesus in his, from the beginning of his ministry, when he was being tempted by Satan, what was one of the things that took place? He, he, he was actually, had no food for 40 days and he's in the wilderness. And after the temptation had taken place, guess what happened? The angels, there were angels that were sent to minister to Jesus. They were there to help him, to help him along. 
Jesus in his humanity was not able to do very much, but he did everything through the Spirit. The Spirit was there to help minister to him. The Spirit was there in response to the prayers that he made in the other prayers. And when we look in the Gospels, for example, in... uh, Let me find the right place here real quick. In the record where Jesus was praying, and he was praying about what he was facing, about the cup being taken away um, in the other Gospels, John doesn't mention that. But it's clear that he had to pray for to be ministered to, and the Spirit was the one who empowered him to be able to do what he is going through right now. What is the lesson for us here on this? Prayer. Prayer. Dying to self. Letting the Lord speak to you through your moments of difficulty and suffering and struggle. We are to emulate Jesus in this manner. And I mentioned, you know, things don't have to be the worst things that are happening in the world, but you still should be praying. If things are the worst things in the world, you know, you absolutely should be praying. And we need to understand that when you pray and you're giving your heart to the Lord, the Lord will respond to you. We don't need to even speak in hypotheticals here. Jesus was strengthened by the Spirit throughout his entire ministry here on earth. And that's because he was still fully human. And he still needed to be strengthened. He still needed the encouragement. And the prayer in John chapter 17 speaks about how he knew he was going to go to the glory with his Father. But that didn't mean he had his, didn't have his moments of weakness that he expressed out loud to others. Well, out loud to the Lord about this cup. Let's talk about that cup for a moment. What cup are we talking about? It's a cup of suffering. It's a cup of suffering. It's a cup of difficulty that he's going to go through. The anguish that was going to take place He was being numbered with the transgressors. What was Jesus going to do? Take upon the sins of many, the sins of the world. He was fully perfect. He was without sin, and yet he was being asked to take on the sins of the world. That's the cup of suffering that he refers to at the bottom of this passage we read. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me. Well, I'm going to challenge you that if you you know you're going to suffer, if you know you're going to go through something, guess what you're doing? You're seeking the Lord in prayer and you're asking for strength and you're asking for encouragement because the flesh does not want to go through that suffering. Who likes to suffer? Anybody in this room like to suffer? Oh, we heard audible no's. That's, nobody, nobody wants to suffer. Nobody enjoys suffering. It, it sucks to suffer. It hurts sometimes to suffer. And we, uh, and we don't even need to get into those who have physical ailments that they're experiencing pain through 
you know, cancer or whatever it is they're dealing with. I mean, we, we, we get upset when there's a toothache. Man, when there's a toothache, you feel like your whole head's going to come off if, it, if you don't get to the dentist and get that taken care of. That's a, that's a pretty um, compelling reason to be praying because <laughs> you're praying for any kind of relief whatsoever. But understand that Jesus recognizes what He's going to go through. Let's go back to verse 4. Jesus fully realized that all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. Now, John doesn't record this Judas kiss. You might have missed that, missed out on that, right? Because there was a signal, I guess, that was... Once he gives a signal about kissing, the, kissing Jesus that, on the cheek or whatever it is, that he, it was time to arrest him or seize him. John doesn't mark this. But, let's point something out here. This is a turning point for the disciples. The disciples were going to be tripping after this. That's the best way to put it. They're not going to quite know how to respond to this very well. And we have, we'll see different responses here. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a turning point. Everybody's life from that point on, those disciples are going to be much different than what it was before. Because we're going to be talking about a real rapid maturity for the disciples. Remember, they spent all this time learning two, two and a half years, whatever it was, with Jesus in the ministry, listening to his words, what he had to say. And half the time, they didn't even understand what he was saying. But God gave them the ability to remember every single thing that was said through the Spirit. And they would remember it. But their lives were going to change now. So now they see how Judas openly betrayed Jesus. Remember, in the upper room, they didn't know what was going on. Jesus did. But now there's an open betrayal. One of their own was going to turn Jesus in for arrest. And... Take a look at Matthew. I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. And we're going to look at verse 56. Some of this is really important for us to see. And I, I hate to even use the analogy of what churches sometimes we have fights within our churches. But those who are in leadership need to stay focused on Jesus in spite of the conflict. Because sometimes you're going to be all alone in that. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 56. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the Scriptures. This is the same period of time that's being recorded. And look what it says. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. These men that had hung with Jesus for two years... They all took off. They deserted him. They left him alone. They were going to be tested. They were going to be transformed. They were going to be dealing with what was happening right before their eyes. And you know, sometimes that's true in real life. In real life, that's true. You're going to find out who your friends are. 
sometimes when you're going through difficulty. You're going to find out who your allies are. You're going to find out who really is with you and who's not with you. But what we also need to look at here too, in addition to that, not just about what you're experiencing, but these disciples were going to become the most dynamic leaders you'll ever imagine. They were so dynamic that they were willing to die for their Savior. And all but one of them did. And we're referring to John, of course. He was the one who was not martyred. He was in exile. That wasn't a fun place to be. But at the end of the day, they were so empowered because they were being tested and tried until they get to the point now, until they get to the point where they would just willingly become dynamic leaders. James, one of the disciples, would become leader of the Jerusalem church. And many others went, you know, Peter. And we, and we know what happened with Peter. Peter had a rough moment through this time. And we'll look at this in greater detail as we continue this study. Not doing it all today, but we want to recognize that there's a transformation taking place. And prayerfully, the Spirit, as you mature in your learning, in your studies, in your growth, that you're maturing. The Spirit's maturing you. Prayerfully, how you are today is much further along than where you were 10 years ago. Amen? Amen? It's you, I would hope so. 10 years? Not 10 minutes. 10 years. But there's a maturity that's taking place here. And the disciples are going to experience that. Let's get back to the passage. John chapter 18, uh, verse 4. Well, going down to verse 5. Who are you looking for? Now I'll go to verse 5. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied, I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. John wants us to see that as well, too. Verse 6. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. They all drew back and fell to the ground. Now, this is something that is mentioned here in this passage in John about how they fell back. And why did they fall back? The men, this is a comment, the men may have been startled by the boldness of Jesus' question or by the words, I am he. It's not really known exactly. We can speculate on it, but he is declaring his divinity when he says, I am he. Because the word he is not in the Greek. But I am, we know very well what that represents. Turn to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Some of you may know where I'm going with this. Well, let's start with verse 13. Exodus 3, verse 13. The first example that we have in Scripture recorded of, of I am. 
And honestly, that's a proper name for God. That's God's proper name. It's one of his names. But I am is the name he declares. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel, this verse 13, Exodus 3, Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Ask a question. You're going to get the answer. Verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. And every Bible that I know has those words in capital letters. I mean, that's a statement, everybody. I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. What is this a demonstration of? Authority, power, God's glory. And when Jesus spoke those words here in this passage, I am, they were taken aback about the glory of Christ. Those people in that crowd. And they fell backwards. I can't really equate that with anything other than if you're standing in front of a huge fan, one of those fans that they blow used to blow around for air, and there's so much wind, it might blow you over. I can't think of anything else to equate that to. So they were blown over by the force of God's glory. That's the best way I can describe that. And when Jesus made that declaration, now let me ask you something too about this. Does this does Jesus look like he's a terrified person just waiting? Oh no, don't arrest me, don't take me away. No, you don't see anything like that in Scripture. He knows exactly what he's facing, he knows exactly what he's going through, he knows exactly what's happening, and he is making a declaration even at the midst of his being arrested that he is the one who is to be glorified. And John, once again, is pointing out the nature of God's glory, even in the midst of this event that takes place. They were startled, they were blown over by the Lord of glory. And they fell backward, you know, J. Vernon McGee makes a comment that they fell backward um, in confusion, dismay. I don't know that if that's the case or not. We can, that's speculative. I just think they were blown over by God's glory. That's just my take on it. I don't know if they had time to even process what was happening there. And, and that's why I, don't, I hate to over-speculate about it. I'm just giving you what different people have said. No one really knows. We can only associate it with the fact that he declared the words, I am, and they fell over backwards. And so let's just leave it there. John is reiterating to us God's glory. They were overcome by the power of the words of Jesus, by the authority of Jesus. Remember, Jesus is just a man just like they were, standing right in front of him. Verse 7, once more he asked them, who are you looking for? And again they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. I told you that I am he, Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. And verse 9, he did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. 
And Jesus made it very clear that those disciples with him were not to be arrested. It was only he. Leave them alone. I'm going to go. I'm the one to be taken. What authority is even being demonstrated here? Amazing authority. He's going to tell those who are arresting him, you don't bother anybody else. Leave them alone. I can't remember anybody ever, ever doing that to me. If somebody's being arrested, usually everybody with them sometimes goes right with them. There's no distinctions being made about that, right? That's kind of what happens. But in this particular case, uh, we need to recognize that Jesus was in control of what was happening. Now, and, and thank you for the note in the comments, Lynn. Think of Paul encountering Jesus on the Damascus Road. Yeah. But, but where it's like, who are you, Lord? That's what, that's what Saul, before he became Paul, said. Who are you, Lord? This bright light comes out. You don't see anything, but all you do is hear what? I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Why are you doing it? Yeah, all you can do is fall down. I'll tell you. Not a bad idea when you're really in struggles to just get prostrate before the Lord. Because you're doing what? You're acknowledging the glory of God. You're acknowledging His authority. You're acknowledging that I can't do anything in my life without you. Verse 10. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Now, you remember perhaps earlier, Jesus did tell if they wanted to have something to arm themselves, the disciples to arm themselves, they could take a sword and carry it on them. But for the purpose of defense, not to attack so Jesus was, doing, was giving Peter an admonishment there. Put that sword away. And remember, Peter was the one who was talking about, I'll die for you, Lord. I'll do this. I'll do that. I had said all these words in preparation. Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. So this was just the beginning of how Peter had to learn exactly where he was and what he needed to do to, to grow in Christ as well too. And sometimes Peter, because of his impulsiveness, guess what he did that a lot of us sometimes try to do? Take the matter of life into your own hands and do what you think you should do. Rather than waiting for God to answer your prayers, you're going to go ahead and say, you know what? Lord, I know you're with me on this. I know you'll endorse whatever I do. No, that is not how it works. Amen? Sometimes we get ahead of God and we do things we shouldn't be doing. Sometimes the hardest thing for us as believers is to wait. Who likes to wait for anything? I'm glad I have a Keurig machine at home because... You know how the old days were when it was brewing coffee? You would have to wait and wait 
and wait. And now I can put a K cup in my pod of, of my coffee maker. And that puppy is ready within a minute and a half to two minutes tops. That's wonderful. And some of us might argue that's still too long. I still need some coffee. <laughs> but we are the worst at times when it comes to being patient and waiting for God to do what he needs to do. And even in this case, Peter felt like he was going to get big and bad and cut off. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to leave about the fact that John doesn't mention the fact that this man's ear was healed. The other Gospels actually do mention that. Because if that hadn't happened, guess what might have happened? Peter would have been arrested. Peter would have been arrested. He just he attacked. So, Jesus was taking it all into account. And he knew all these things would happen, by the way. We don't want to take matters into our own hands. We, Peter was not to do that because often when we do that, it leads to sin. Let's just tell it like it is. When we try to do things, and what Peter did was sinful, it leads to sin. Shouldn't have done that. We have to trust God to work out his plan. What was his plan? To go to the cross. We have to trust God to work out his plan for our lives. What's his plan for our lives? For us to live according to his will, be obedient to him, be faithful to him, pray to him, meditate on his word, stay focused on prayer day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. That's how he wants us to live. Luke chapter 22. We can go ahead and look at that real quick because we're almost done. Luke 22 verse 51 actually does record the instance where... Let's go to verse 49. Let's start with Luke twenty-two forty-nine. When the other disciples saw what was about to happen... Remember, they're tripping. The disciples are looking at this taking place... And their arrest is going to take place. Jesus' arrest is coming up, right? Lord, what should we do? Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. Now Luke mentions that it didn't mention Peter by name. It just said one of them struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. Verse 51, but Jesus said no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Quick very quick. Move very fast. Jesus was the only one to be arrested. He was in complete control. And let's talk about this cup once again. The cup refers to the suffering that Jesus was taking. The isolation that Jesus would have. And the death that Jesus would have to endure in order to atone for the sins of the world. He knew what he was doing, but the Spirit gave him what he needed to be able to do it successfully. May we always remember, believers have the indwelling Holy Spirit to give you the ability to get through anything and everything you experience. 
even unto death, but you're secure because of where you're going to be when you leave here. You're going to be with the Father. You're going to be with Jesus. But the Spirit gives you everything you need to live a life that gives glory to the Father. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we spent to go over your word. And Lord, there's so much here that even in this moment where Jesus is being arrested, you are showing us how he is to be glorified because of what he did for us. And John tells us this very same thing, that Jesus deserves the glory because of what he's done for us. What he did for us at that moment and what he has done for us today. Thank you, Lord, for this teaching and thank you for this understanding. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who operated in the life of Jesus to enable him to go forth and do what he did for us. Thank you for the Spirit who provided an immediate healing for that slave's ear. We know the Spirit empowered Jesus to do those very things. The healing of the five, the healing of the the ten lepers, the the feeding of the five thousand, all those individuals that were being tended to, it's because of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this teaching. Thank you for the reminders that we have that same Spirit that enables us. Thank you, Lord. Bless us and keep us now. And we give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today for this edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. We hope you got something out of today's lesson today in John chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. We appreciate you being here today. Stay tuned online for those who are not coming to Akron Alliance um, for the live broadcast at approximately 11 o'clock in the same timeline. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you later today for those of you who are interested in the Zoom Bible study at 5 o'clock. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time.